Hi everyone, thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I am talking with David Jaskovich in Tokyo, Ali Hongo and Seiya Hongo in Tokyo. Thank you guys so much for joining. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank for having、you. us. It's awesome to have you here. I'm really excited to talk about Shitake Creative, your new venture together, your crowdfunding campaign, and your Japan Travel Awards idea. You're doing so much and you just started.、Yeah. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about how you guys got together or a little bit about yourselves and then how you started working together. <laughs> okay, oh wow, yeah, you're completely right. It's just the three of us, and we're doing a lot of things at once. <laughs> But um, so I'm Ali, I've lived in Japan for the past 20 years, and uh, um, my name is Seiya, and I'm from Japan, but I've been around outside of Japan for a while and came back. And yeah, I'm David. And yeah, I moved to Japan. It's going to be my seven year anniversary here probably next week. And、uh, yeah, it's,、uh, it's been quite a while. Feels like quite a while anyway. Oh, that's We... awesome. So, a little bit about your background. So, yeah, I read that you're originally from Saitama. So, you're originally from Japan. But you lived as a teenager in Jakarta and then you studied in the US. You studied international relations and Spanish.、Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. You did、uh, quite a study. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's on your website. So it's nice. <laughs> but, I, but I had to expand the font quite a lot because it was really, really hard to read.、Mm. But it's possible to do that. So that was no problem. And then you were also working in Latin America as an MPO volunteer, is that right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a little bit of uh, uh, volunteer work in Ecuador and I traveled a little bit to Colombia and stuff. So、uh, that was in my college time in the States.、Um, I majored in Spanish, Latin American studies, and I was in the, in the States to study abroad, but for some reason I was studying Spanish. <laughs> It's a very useful language. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if you can. Do language、uh, Japanese, English, and Spanish? That's fantastic. In、mm. fact, your whole team is very multilingual.、Uh, Ali, you're also multilingual, working in Japanese, English, and European languages, right? Originally from Bulgaria?、Is、exactly,、right? yes. I was born and raised in Bulgaria until the age of 15.、Uh, and then we moved here as a family. My whole family moved to Japan.、Um, and at the time, I couldn't speak a word of Japanese. I just went. Straight into a public high school with no <laughs> no knowledge of the language. So that was quite an experience. But, um, um, you know, days passed and I kind of learned, I guess. So,、um, yeah, <laughs> now I don't have any issues with Japanese. Yeah. Well, in, you went to university here as well.、Uh, you were a writer for the Mainichi newspaper as well as G. All of you guys have worked for G Media. And、uh, Savvy Tokyo, you were the editor in chief, right? So, you guys have such great connections all around Japan in terms of media and content creation. What a great platform to start your own idea from. Right. Yeah, that's how we met.、Uh, we, we all worked for G Plus Media,、um, and、uh, we were all in different departments,、uh, but we got 
along really well and we worked together on so many different projects um, and we've been working together ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> well, let's hear a little bit about Dave's background and then I want to hear about how this idea for Shitake Creative happened. <laughs> All right, Dave, you're on. Tell us a little bit about your background. So I'm originally from Melbourne, born in Melbourne. Actually, I have to pronounce it properly. Living in Japan has kind of messed up my Aussie accent a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I either pronounce it Melbourne or Meadowborn. <laughs> but yeah, I'm from Melbourne originally and um, moved over to Perth when I was young and kind of flip-flopped between the two cities like throughout my life. Um, and yeah, I actually ended up, I've always been in the creative industry, uh, primarily originally working in fashion and um, yeah, worked as a kind of creative consultant and designer and graphic designer for like my own fashion brand and a couple of other fashion brands in Perth. Um, but then decided that, you know, the fashion industry is pretty tough. So I got into yeah, communication design and uh, visual communication. And um, yeah, so my background is primarily a bit mixed. Um, but yeah, so since coming to Japan, been working in media and graphic design with these guys. And um, yeah, we hit it off pretty early on in the piece. And uh, this is the third company that we're working together. You would have thought that we'd had enough of each other by now, but obviously that's not the case. <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, you also were going to show so much of the beautiful video and photography that you do. A lot of the projects that the company is doing is so visual and creating so much visual appeal. So that's all your purview, right? That's all, yeah. It's really important, um, I think, as as part of a brand and especially with marketing like I also as a university lecturer and um, and your yeah, teacher in communication design um, and you know my education background is in yeah illustration photography graphic design and creative advertising um, so I'm pulling all of these things in and kind of learning some new skills along the way and so yeah I do all of the photography all of the graphic design all of the videography um, for our company and, and whatever else um, gets thrown at me, I kind of figure it out. Recently doing a bit of uh, like web design as well, which has been quite a challenge, a steep learning curve. Obviously, I can do front-end, uh, like, sorry, not front-end, uh, the visual design itself, but like handling the actual, like producing the website has been quite a challenge. But yeah, I, I always try to give it my best and you know, despite having a couple of small meltdowns here and there, it's all, yeah, it's all pretty fun. Well, that's good. And I, I see that we've got someone from Los Angeles joining. Thanks, Pablo and Bernie from Melbourne. So we've already got some of your crew from back home. Yeah, I hope she's not going to call out my pronunciation of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, read, Dave, that you are a fan of the mint crunky ice creams in Japan. Yes, uh, anything like mint chop chip, I'm a bit crazy for. I love it, it, yeah, the seasonal times, and it's usually like around summer that it comes out, and anything mint chocolate, doesn't matter if it's just, it's not only ice cream, but even like cookies and chocolate and everything, like, yeah, I'm obsessed. Not great for the waistline, unfortunately, but <laughs> Japan yeah. is, is a killer for like yummy sweets. 
But isn't isn't that great? And this is definitely related to travel, and it's something that I often talk about as well. Is the image of Japan is it's all about tea? It's all about traditional Japanese foods.、Mm-hmm. But actually, Japan is amazing for a real variety of foods.、Uh, we have chefs who train in Italy to learn how to make amazing pizzas. We have、uh, people who train in France to learn pâtissier. You know, it's amazing. All these coffee artisans. So, you know, definitely, if you haven't been to Japan yet, don't expect it to all be only Japanese food. We have such a great fusion here, right? Exactly. And I guess this connects to what we we're trying to do with our projects. We want to show that Japan has so many different sides. It's not just the one that is、um, that most people associate、uh, from abroad.、Um, so, yeah, that's where we're heading. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and it's important, right? Because I think、uh, what you talk about in your website as well is a lot of things that are missing from the travel industry in terms of what is promoted from Japan.、Mm. It's not the rural destinations. It's not the off the beaten track. It's not actually what locals experience. So to give a taste of real Japan、uh, is kind of at the core of of why you started Shitake. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so basically, you know, we we wanted to. I mean, working for the media has been wonderful. You know, we we've been so privileged to to get so much experience and meet great people. But when you work for one media, you're in a sense limited because you, you when you write about a certain product, you have to write about the final product. But we wanted to get a little bit more involved in at the pre stage of that. So、um, that's why we decided it's it's important to go independent and, and you know、um, detach ourselves from the media for one time,、um, and basically start from scratch and get involved <laughs> with the planning of、uh, you know the consultant part of it and、um, and from there to execute it to the pro- the actual promotion stage.、Um, so that's、um, the roots of Shitake. That's how it all started. So for people outside Japan, shiitake is a kind of mushroom, <laughs> and、uh, you must you must get this question all the time.、Oh, yeah, why <laughs> shiitake? So why did you choose it as the name of your company because of building up from foundations of deeper Japan like that? I, I knew you would ask this, so I was practicing、uh, in the shower this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so、um, I mean, there are a couple of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> But、um, when we when we were thinking about the name of the company, you know, we were just brainstorming, and、um, a lot of ideas came up. But, but we we knew it. We wanted a Japanese name for the company,、um, and then we were just like brainstorming、um, different words about what we want to base our、uh, core values on, and all these words that came out: communication, creativity,、uh, culture, change. Like just randomly, they they were all starting with the word with the letter C, so I think like someone was like just like oh take that C to the next level kind of thing, so it was kind of like a play on words that I guess like most people from overseas cannot really understand because it's like C and take and then C in Japanese is kind of pronounced as she and then it just you know the she take kind of came up, but also、um, our surname Hongo. In Spanish, is a mushroom apparently. <laughs> it's a、uh, H is not really pronounced, so、uh, it's Hongo. But yeah, it's it's spelled out exactly the same as Hongo, our last name. So it kind of like oh, Hongo. I mean,、um, the mushroom 
you know, the famous master in Japan is shiitake. So I guess, you know, let's go with shiitake. That was kind of, you know, decision making, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, process. <laughs> but also we wanted to kind of, you know, as like the mushrooms like grow, you know, they influence other people. So that's what we are trying to do with our work. You know, we want to we want to start something that other people just follow suit and you know, it kind of keep ex keeps expanding. So um, it kind of all matched together in a way. <laughs> so shiitake. That's awesome. And <laughs> something I've learned from guests in the series who understand about trees is how trees communicate and plants through the roots. So your, all, your business is also very based on communication and destination branding, destination marketing. So uh, the undercurrent of communication is also a great reason to yeah. have a plant as your mascot. Exactly. I mean, I'm so happy when, you know, somebody gets it, you know, like yeah. when they can explain what we want to say and like, I'm like, oh, okay. But, yeah. I, you know, when I make a call on the phone and stuff, you know, people are just like, what? Can I, can I ask one more time? And it's like, ah, uh, it's a mushroom shiitake. And people don't really get it at the beginning, but yeah. once they understand it, it's easier for them. Like, oh, yeah. okay. So it's, it's, yeah, if, if we do well with business, I think this, this, this name will. Definitely. <laughs> it's something unique, right? So at first, maybe people don't get it. But once you start developing a reputation, it's going to stand out. It's going to be easy to remember. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a really good point. Another thing I love about the idea of using shiitake is shiitake is the base of umami flavor for mm -hmm. plant-based foods in Japan. So if we're talking about shojin yori, traditional vegan mm. food for the Buddhists, or uh, modern vegan plant-based food, they use the shiitake as the very core umami ingredient. Mm -hmm. So in that way, building a more sustainable food system, you need shiitake. And <laughs> it's very wow. good for the environment. So there you go, another reason. Can it's a very complex it? name. Yeah. Of <laughs> wants to steal yeah. it in our marketing. Use it. Use it. I love it. All right. So we talked about shiitake. Uh, let's have a look at your website, which is beautiful. Dave, did you design this? Uh, yes. There's a little bit still to finish on it because we've, as you said earlier, it's just the three of us and we're working on about a million things at once. <laughs> So we have, um, yeah, a lot going on. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of attend to everything at the same time. But, yeah, so a lot of the style and, like, the, the branding tone, I guess, is, um, is my influence. And sometimes, you know, um, there's a little bit of uh, conflict about, you know, how outrageous or loud I can make it. <laughs> um, I uh, love yeah. it. I love it. It's very simple. It's very easy to navigate. It's also completely bilingual. You guys have a very good Japanese side, very good English side. Um, in terms of content management, I know that's not easy. Um, in terms of how you communicate with your clients as well, uh, you have to be able to put on both shoes, right? In terms of linguistically, but also culturally. Mm -hmm. And Seiya, yeah, this is something you talk about in your bio, is that you feel like after living abroad as a foreigner and coming back to Japan, you're able to put on both shoes. Is that right? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I think what I'm really good at is to understand in you know, both sides, 
especially like when I grew up in, in Jakarta and in, in the States uh, and I came back to Japan and I kind of see the struggle of what foreigners might feel because I kind of felt the same. As being Japanese, you know, born and raised in Japan, but at the same time, I felt kind of same. I kind of felt like a mi minority in a sense. So I think I understand that foreigner side as well. And also Japanese side, of course, I do understand and what they don't understand about, you know, foreigners and what they do have and what kind of misconception they, they, they might have and stuff. So I think I can feel the gap for them and, and uh, you know, um, have them communicate better. I think that's that's my strength. Yeah, it's it's such an important part, right? Like I work with also small destinations or small mm -hmm. businesses who want more international tourists, but they want to balance the needs of their local staff and their local environment. And I see those threads of sustainability also in the kind of work that you guys are doing. Is that right? Absolutely. Can I jump in for a little second? Ben? Mm. Um, I think that's one of the things as well, especially, you know, I'm, I've been here the shortest time out of the three of us, obviously. Um, and kind of like, you know, my first job in Japan was working for a, like a media communications company that, you know, we're dealing with a lot of Japanese clients. And, you know, one of the, the things that keeps coming up is this question of like, what do foreigners like? Or, you know, and it's like such a difficult question to kind of answer but the thing that i always try to think about is like inclusivity um you know like often we like the same thing that japanese people like it's always one of those things like yeah we can understand that there's this kind of disconnect trying to put ourselves in each other's shoes but at the same time i feel like it doesn't have to be that much of a complicated <laughs> question but at the same time again like it's like how can we make that accessible to everyone into ourselves and, and make it easy, especially for myself with a communication barrier. Um, my forte is reading izakaya menus. That's about as much Japanese language skills that I have. Um, and, and that's hard for people <laughs> who haven't tried that. That's not easy. Like it's often handwritten in beautiful mm -hmm. characters, kanji, right? No Google Translate image is going to help you. <laughs> you have to you have to know it so good for you that's right and um yeah so you know trying to have those kinds of really authentic experiences which is personally what i love to do you know i love to feel like i'm in a real situation like anyone else i don't want to have this kind of um like artificial uh stage kind of experience um that's yeah something that i have been lucky enough to have through the, the jobs that I've been doing. Uh, but at the same time, I want other people to be able to experience that as well, because they're not as lucky as we have been with working within the industry that we do. Definitely. Well, we know that there is a high, there, before COVID, there was a really high demand for people seeking sustainable options in travel. Mm -hmm. And whether they found them or not, we don't know, probably not but more than 70% of the people surveyed said, yes, they would choose a sustainable option that was better for the local area, that didn't damage the environment, that was better for local workers, if they had it. And they just, there was so little choice. Um, now I'm kind of disheartened because Hawaii is one of the first places to open back up to tourism. And they've suddenly had too many tourists and they've suddenly had COVID cases go back up. 
Uh, we've seen the problems with Japan as well, the new people coming in from the Olympics and COVID cases going up. Um, we don't want to rush back in to business as usual, mass tourism everywhere, overwhelming places, right? So what you guys are trying to do by working with rural areas, smaller destinations, and get people who visit Japan spread out, spending more time, having more meaningful travel. Is that, it seems like that's the basis of your ideas. Is that right? Exactly. That's exactly where we're heading. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons, you know, having worked at, at, for, for various media platforms, we noticed a trend, you know, it's always like, it's usually the same places that get uh, written about or, um, promoted to the overseas market and those places are of course wonderful um you know there's no question about that but th those are not the only places that people should visit when they come to japan and especially now after in this pandemic um there's so many small towns and cities that are suffering because you know they a lot of the whole the olympics host towns they were hoping that so many tourists will come and now they have nothing um, so it's a lot of broken promises and uh, we feel that it's a win-win situation if people come here and they go to less crowded places eventually and, and they have like an experience that they never expected they could have in Japan. Uh, but it's a great experience and also this is going to help a lot of smaller regions get back on track and, and you know, get get more recognized for the wonderful things they're doing and for the, the great places they are. So that's what we're trying to do, uh, just invite people to see a different side of Japan um, and and have great experience there. I'm showing uh, your Hyogo, Tokushima, and uh, Totori video project that you did. So focused on three kind of far away rural areas, but places that are often left off itineraries when people come and visit. Tell me about this project, it looks great. So this project was um, about the area. So it was supposed to be a promotion for World Masters game, which was supposed to be happening in 2021, 2020. And then it, it happened 2021 and it, it's, it's also extended again. And then we were trying to um, promote it to uh, targeting foreign travelers like those athletes who are coming to Japan to experience the area as well. So we were kind of focusing on more like a sustainable stuff, activities or more sporty stuff so that people can enjoy in that uh, aspect. Then these, these kind of places that people might not really know about are the perfect destinations for that kind of activities. So I think it was great. Um, I mean, people didn't really get to come, <laughs> but uh, I think it was a great um, opportunity to show what Japan has to offer besides, you know, Tokyo and Osaka and Kyoto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of future travel, the thing that I'm craving is open space. Oh, yes. you know? And I, I think everybody feels that after being stuck at home, mm. but also still worried about COVID, it's still mm. not quite over. Mm. Open space in the rural areas, doing sport and just enjoying the clean air is so mm. attractive right now, right? Exactly. So areas like um, Shikoku, for example, those are the perfect places to go. It has all, all the activities. It has the beautiful nature and just so much to see out there. But um, 
because it's not well known, people probably wonder, is it, is, you know, is it okay to go there or what can I get there? You know, th those are natural questions. So we, we really want to emphasize on the fact that these places need, need, needs to get better promotion overseas and just, you know, more people need to go there and just write about them um, and spread the word so that, you know, people can feel comfortable heading to those destinations. Mm. And it's, it's just another thing to add to that. Yeah, it's especially beneficial for the areas and, you know, in, increasing term to, uh, tourism to an extent. But there's two points that I want to make is like one of them back to kind of like sustainability and more uh, kind of, well, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Basically, it's not like a huge like city that's doing stuff like, you know, there's not as big a population and there's less pollution and things like that, but it's a bit more grassroots kind of area you know, they're doing things a little bit more, I guess, traditionally would be the way to kind of describe it. And so, one, you get to have that kind of experience. But number two, like, you know, we want to promote it, but so many people are actually missing out on these places. They're going to places like Tokyo and Osaka and Kyoto or even, um, you know, other kind of bigger satellite cities around Japan. But I think you're missing out on such amazing experiences by going to these rural places because, you know, you're having foods that you've probably never had before. You're meeting people who are just like so friendly and welcome. Like it's not so often that someone will stop you in, in Tokyo and say, Oh, what are you doing? And how are you doing? What are you doing here? Like, have you gone to this place? It's like, it never happens. Whereas, you know, you go to these little small rural towns and people kind of stop you and they're interested in what you're doing. And they're saying, you know, why are you here? Or why are you taking pictures of this area? Why are you doing video? Or why are you at this izakaya, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and oh. it's, a, it's a really like, it's an experience that I wish everyone could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm showing your beautiful Instagram page for remarkable Japanese places. Now, this is um, a great place to go and get information about Off the Beaten Track, but it also is part of your crowdfunding project, Making a Book. Can you tell us about that? Right. So, um, so the, the book is um, part of our Japan Travel Awards um, project. So um, this is basically the end result. We, we will be writing about all these um, still less known destinations in a 200-page book. Um, we'll be traveling to all of those destinations and taking photos ourselves and writing the, the articles of the, ourselves. And um, currently, obviously, you know, it, it's expensive to <laughs> publish that. So we have launched a crowdfunding campaign to ask people to recommend their areas. Uh, the places they love. It could be their own region where they've grown up or it can be a region that they really love in Japan. Um, so anyone who supports this pro project can um, can recommend a place um, that we uh, could uh, potentially go to and uh, write about it in the book. And the book is going to be sold overseas and in Japan um, and also ob obviously online as well. Um, yeah, so we want to we want to basically write about all these places that need that deserve a better attention. Yeah. So it looks like you've got forty eight more days. Uh, yes. You've already have sixty people who've invested, and you've already raised a million yen. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Are you excited? 
<laughs> it's been challenging. <laughs> people, people have been kind, and you know, it's it's great to get support from people, and and then it's it's really amazing to see you know what kind of uh, comments we get from the people who you know back us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, people have been like you know the messages they leave us. You know, please go to this place. It's so amazing. You have to know about it. And. And, you know, we've already learned about so many places that we've never heard mm. of through this campaign, which is really wonderful. And you can see you can see how people are rooting for their areas. You know, they know that these are amazing places and they also know that no one goes there because they are not known. Um, so they they've been extremely helpful um, in supporting us, um, which has been really, really great. And, and yeah, we're learning so much from this. You've done a great campaign. It's really uh, obvious to me when I, I look at this campaign, I have seen so many crowdfunding campaigns, but you guys obviously come from a media savvy background. Uh, you know how to use video, you know how to have clarity of message. It's it's a wonderful introductory video, really easy to understand what is the concept of your business, what is the concept of the campaign. So really well done. Is that you, David? You take all the credit? Uh, not all the credit. Um, you know, like I'm, I was a bit of a bossy pants with uh, <laughs> these guys a little bit uh, in terms of the, obviously the messaging, we all kind of agree on that, but just coming from, uh, you know, design background and communications and advertising background and things like that, you know, like keeping the message really simple and clear and, you know, making sure that we have, you know, really good energy and really just really simply explain what we want to do because if you know we overcomplicate it people aren't going to understand and i think one of the important things is for people to really get uh, what we want to do and how passionate we are about it because um yeah this is something that we all really believe in and you know a lot of our our supporters and also our friends and and strangers as well have said you know like how important this is for communities and areas outside of the major regions um, that you know most people are familiar with, and I think they deserve to be seen. And you know, also, it's a really great. Like you know, if you if you back the project, like you get your own copy of the book as well, um, and it's something that you can keep, and it's something that we hope to continue doing every year. Yeah. And so local, you can, you know, you must, you must come across this all the time. But when you talk to local destinations or local businesses, the first thing they want to do in Japan is print something, right? <laughs> they they want to have something in their hand. They want to make a map. They want to make a pamphlet. They want to make a book. So I, I personally love books as well. Um, but since our modern world, everything is online. You guys do things online so well. Is this in reaction to what you've heard from the local clients that they would really like to have something in hand? It's a combination of both, but we, you know, we we strongly believe that a book is a better is is a much better um, way to brand a destination or to because you know when you when you go online, obviously you can find all the information you want, but when you have this book in your hands you you can take your time with it and you know it's there and you can go back to it it the information doesn't get lost um but also you know coming from a culture where um you know i always buy books to my friends and families when i visit a destination and that's something that's very common in europe but in japan you know the most most of the time you buy 
food or you buy drinks, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was kind of missing that. And I felt like, you know, if I go to a place that's been really wonderful, I want to buy a book about the history of this place or about like, you know, a photography book and just give it as a gift to my uh, family and friends. And this is something that we don't quite see here. You're completely right. There's a lot of print work, but they're not actual, you know, books <laughs> that, um, yeah. that, um, that really represent the destination as well. So we wanted to address this. Um, and, uh, and, and it's also really important to sell this book overseas and so that we can, people can find it in bookstores in their local neighborhood and get to see a Japan that they've never seen before or they never thought existed so that's one way to um put the information about japan in you know to display it to them yeah so beautiful and and to me as well i i feel like we're going back because everybody's lives are on their screen right everybody has to use their screen now for work for school for getting around so having a book in your hand being offline for a little bit seems special now it seems like a treat <laughs> like i'm separating myself from Absolutely. work and, right <laughs> that, that's very true that's very true <laughs> so is the book bilingual is it going to be in both languages or no the book is going to be only in english um for now, but a lot of people are saying that they would like to see a Japanese version of it. So maybe, <laughs> maybe if we manage to, <laughs> if we manage to get everything done on in time, then maybe we can think about that as well. Um, but if yeah, if if we have the budget to, so it's it's one. very focused on inbound travel, right? Exactly. Like yeah. So the main purpose is just to show people that another Japan exists and that they're welcome there and uh, they should eventually, you know, when they choose their next trip to Japan, they should also consider those places. Um, that's the main purpose. But also, I think one of the project, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why, we, why we're doing this in all in, in English is just to showcase how, you know, um, the town or destination can be perceived in other culture, you know, like I think it, it's going to be new finding for local Japanese people as well. Like, oh, you know, they just see everyday life. You know, they see this small store, for example. But in the photography, you know, that we do and in the writing we do, they might not understand that, you know, text. But at the same time, they can see how different that is. So I think that's that's going to be good uh, finding for them, like to to learn how great where they live and they should be proud about it. So I think that's that's one of one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Japan Travel Awards because like you said, it's connected to this project as well. Right. Who, who wants to explain it to us? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll start. Uh, <laughs> so um we we started the Japan Travel Awards. Um this is an independent award um, that that has the same mission um, to basically influence, uh, you know, inspire people to recognize their strength and to say, "Hey, I'm doing something good. Please consider me." Um, and so, this is one of the one one of the reasons why we started. Um, and the second is that there's basically nothing like that. Um, as, as of present, 
um, uh, there are a couple of different awards, but they're mostly targeted at like big cities or like BMOs or organizations that do amazing work um, for the local regions. But it's not really for the small places, independent places that, that can do that. And um, so we wanted to encourage people to do that, considering all the negative news and all the pandemic news and everything that's been going on uh, lately, we just wanted to kind of give some hope to people that they can look forward to something um, that can benefit them in the long run. Uh, and also we wanted to, to establish a global standard. And you can see that in our categories, we have six categories, um, LGBTQ friendly, accessible travel, uh, sustainable travel, um, and so on. And these are things that are, of course, a lot of people know that are important to talk about. But sometimes they don't realize that what they do is actually something that that could be considered LGBTQ friendly or could be accessible, access, considered accessible friendly. So we wanted them to recognize their own strength by presenting those categories to them and and kind of establish a platform for the debate that tourism is in, has a lot of different features and if japan really wants to appeal to international travelers they have to appeal to different people's needs on a global standard um so that's how it all started <laughs> no it's fantastic it's fantastic to have this basic sustainable supporting communities supporting diversity and inclusion as a part of travel because it is a part of travel exactly mm -hmm. even even though a lot of the the typical travel information is aimed at what is considered the average user I mean, who is the average user? Come on, we are <laughs> such a diverse country. Japan is diverse in itself, right. but mm -hmm. the inbound visitor is definitely diverse and we need uh, assets and products and services which are catering to them and which make them feel welcome, right? Exactly, exactly yeah. Exactly. I love that you also, you have a component of, it's almost like training, right? So mm -hmm. once they pass to a certain level, then they are assessed and given support to kind of go to the next level as part of the awards process. Can you talk about that a little bit? Exactly. So um, another purpose of these awards is to basically help people realize their strengths. And we're doing that by consulting them, which is one of the, the things we do. Um, so maybe by the time when they enter the awards, they don't really recognize what, what category they should uh, enter for or what is what actually is the thing they do well you know a lot of people say that they don't really know <laughs> so um we we have this um information sheet that we ask um destinations to fill in and based on that we provide them feedback um what what is their strength what what can be improved um and what you know what, what what exactly is you know the thing that is very very strong about them um and that's that's one of the the things so that's the initial stage and then after that we we will go to the destinations and do on-site evaluation um just to see because some of the categories like accessibility for example we 
you know, it's an award. We cannot um, award a place without actually seeing if they're accessible, uh, if they have all the, the infrastructure for that. So we go to the website and we do on-site evaluation. And after we return from that, uh, that's uh, we do another screening and uh, with our judges and then the finalists, um, the, the officially we, we nominate uh, different locations and they move to the next stage. Uh, and it's like a step up basically. Um, and then the big winner and all the category winners will be announced uh, after our judges um, make their decisions. Yeah, I love that idea. And it's it's a great way, like you're also asking people to nominate their favorite place. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know a destination which is very sustainable or very accessible <laughs> or family friendly? Please nominate. Um, so you've got different sides, right? You're not only asking the destination to do it for themselves, you're asking for people who use the destinations to nominate. And like you said before, this is a problem in Japan. I, I find this as well. The companies that I approach and say, we really need to talk about the great work you're doing. Mm. They're not using it in their communication to the customer because they think, of course, we're doing it in an ethical, moral, sustainable way, because that's what we believe. We don't have to talk about it. It's like very humble, mm. but, but they need to talk about it because companies which are not that sustainable are talking about it. Exactly. And they seem like they're better. So exactly. they have to level up, but they need insights from you guys to be mm -hmm. able to understand how to communicate it, right? Exactly. And that's that's a really great point that you're raising because you know, having lived in Japan for such a long time, you see people being as you say, they're just they're doing fantastic things and then and yet they don't want to talk about it because they're they're shy you know but um our our mission is to to give them the courage to say you know please look at us because we also deserve some kind of recognition for what we're doing because we're doing great stuff and it's not only the big players who get the attention you know we need that as well and i think that's one step toward real diversity and real inclusion and um, a real fair game in a way, you know, um, that's that's the right approach. So yeah, we don't we, we want to say they don't have to wear, you know, the pin badge, <laughs> pin badge. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, oh, those, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. Because, <laughs> because I have conversations with pin badge wearers all the time. And I'm like, well, so you're wearing the SDG badge. Yeah. What is it that your company's doing for SDGs? And they slowly back away. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Scary. Yeah. But if you're wearing it, you want to talk about it, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, one of, oh, sorry, yeah. say, uh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, and one of the other things as well is that, you know, we've had discussions about this amongst ourselves and with other people that we've been dealing with is that, you know, like, hopefully just by starting a discussion about this stuff a little bit more, um, first off, you know, raises awareness for people to maybe consider that, oh, are we actually doing these things or are we making these changes, um, you know, to improve, like, tourism uh, appealing to these different kind of categories that we're trying to communicate to. Yeah. Uh, but one of the big issues is that, you know, it's very rare that Japan often looks to what overseas is doing yeah. um, to inform their decision-making. And we'll generally just tend to look at what other areas are doing within Japan 
And so hopefully at least by starting this, like one area we'll look at another area in Japan and just following the Japanese format, (laughs) hopefully to, um, you know, start some meaningful change here. Because, you know, some of the things as well, they're not, obviously sustainability, yeah, there's some pretty big factors that they need to take into consideration to be more sustainable. But in terms of, um, you know, like uh, accessible infrastructure they can implement or like being family friendly or LGBT friendly, it's not a huge shift that they need to do in, in their perception or in their actions, but uh, they just need to be aware of it because it's it's yeah. kind of strange that, you know, they don't consider it because they're just so used to the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to one of your judges the other day, Josh Grisdale, yeah, yeah, yeah. who does Accessible Japan. And one of the things that, that he talks about, which is so important to realize, is if you make your facility more accessible for people in wheelchairs or people who are blind or people who have trouble with stairs or things like that, you are making it more accessible, more inclusive, more welcoming for everybody. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think you could make the same argument for LGBTQ, for people who have tattoos, for people who are different races. Once you are welcoming to everybody, it's good for Japanese customers too. Exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Um, because you know, having worked in this industry, a lot of a lot of you know prefectures are kind of caught up in this inbound trend, and they think like they have to do something that appeals to that market specifically. But at the same time, they sometimes they miss the point that if they do it for their own community, people will recognize it as long as it's um, as long as long as the information is passed about it. You know, and and we have this media background, and we can help them. Um, process this information correctly and that's what we are trying to do so basically establish your place make it great for your own community then spread the word about it and then people will come and if you're welcoming to them they will have a great time here and they will keep coming back yeah it's really not that difficult yeah 100 percent right <laughs> i when i did my master's course in sustainability there were so many aha moments like that where, you know, like if you make it more accessible, you make it more inclusive, more your staff is happier, that's better for the customer. And you're like, oh, yeah, if the staff, <laughs> if the staff is really unhappy, it's horrible for the customer, right? Yeah. If the local people are unhappy, it's horrible for the international inbound tourists, right? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing this happening right now in Hawaii. Hawaiian mm-hmm. people are really unhappy that all these visitors are suddenly coming in and the COVID cases are going up. This is influencing their mm-hmm. health, their life. Of course they're unhappy. And then the visitors are not happy because the locals are not happy, of course. So these are very important things to be thinking about and planning for, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, I mean, when I talk to people about this awards, Sometimes um, people say like, okay, who are you targeting? Mm. Is it Americans? Is it, you know, British people? Is it Obey. It's always Obey now, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's all the same, you know. The like, American <laughs> Europe person, yeah. You know, we're trying to, you know, promote inclusivity, but 
it's still we're not trying to divide you know by the awards categories and stuff it's it's we're talk, trying to you know promote it needs to be inclusive inclusive yeah. but it's uh, kind of difficult still to get that message out so mm-hmm. we yeah. are kind of challenging but yeah. i think i think it's going to get there once we yeah. finish that project yeah but a nice thing about covid right now is you can say it will attract more diverse Japanese domestic tourists because I think that is true. Mm-hmm. And once you are more accessible, once you're more welcoming of inclusiveness of people who are LGBTQ, people with tattoos, you know, you don't differentiate you like everybody's welcome. You will notice an influx of domestic tourism. And I, mm-hmm. I believe this. I don't mm-hmm. have any proof. But mm-hmm. I strongly believe this. So that's another argument for destinations, right? I mean, when when you talk about stuff like that as well, like yeah, like traditional like word of mouth marketing is, is such a powerful tool. And so I'm part of the LGBT community, and I've experienced this. And Georgie, one of our judges, pointed this out in his um, interview with Ali, um, that you know one of the simple things that people don't really realize is, you know, the LGBT community isn't asking for them to be waving pride flags and stuff like that and you know doing marches and, and whatnot um but basically um oh, <laughs> just let's say i hang up that call um so yeah basically um you know it's just about doing small things that can make a huge difference you know like not having to be in a situation where we feel awkward or having to try to explain at check-in that no we're fine with it a double bed for two men mm-hmm. um, and you know by having that it makes us feel more comfortable but also it makes the staff more comfortable so they don't need to feel like they're in an awkward situation and, and trying to resolve the, the tension that has been created by a simple misunderstanding and it's like all of those smaller things as well that can add up and you know if I have a really great experience somewhere. Of course, I'm going to tell my friends about it. My friends are going to go there and they're going to have an experience and so on and so forth. And it kind of applies to all of the different categories that we are, you know, uh, trying to award here. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and giving the places like valuable feedback about how they can uh, improve those things or, um, you know, all of that. So it, it really hopefully will have a, you know, a flow-on effect and a, a bigger impact as it kind of evolves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think what you're doing with getting such a diverse group of judges from around Japan who understand the international market, but they've lived and worked in Japan a long time. So they're very similar to you guys. They are acting as bridges between two cultures, three cultures, four cultures, uh, different languages, right? Like there, there's a lot to unpack in what you want to train the local destination or business up to, to be welcoming. And that's really hard unless people have lived or traveled abroad, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yes, we, we, I mean, there's so many people, so many foreigners and Japanese people doing wonderful things here. And we, we want to get them on board and um, use their expertise to to just share their knowledge um, and give their um, insight about what you know different destinations can do to improve uh, their situation. Um, 
but yes, so we we didn't want to have only people from overseas because you know in Japan sometimes there's this feeling that you know if you don't know Japan you cannot really have a an opinion about you know what's going on here. So we we wanted to create a good mix of um, <laughs> sorry about that uh, of judges. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's all the work coming in because people are watching this and they're like, I want to hire them right now and calling you guys. So I'm going to let that one stay because that shows that this broadcast is working. Thank you so much. <laughs> we just really want to create a sustainable way for people to promote their the things they're doing great and just have more courage and more, um, you know, more trust in themselves and just, you know, just have this drive to go out there and, and say, you know, I'm not a big player, but I can still show that I'm doing something great. And we want to be, we want to provide a platform for them. That's awesome. And of course, there are charges involved um, for the Japan Travel Awards if they get through a certain state, but you are providing, like I said before, like training or getting them to the next level where they can attract more visitors, more customers in a way that's not gonna compromise the local quality of life or local value, right? Exactly, exactly. We provide feedback at the very early stage and also at the after the on-site evaluation stage. So this all stays with them and they can use it um, to the best of their, um, um, yeah, um, for their needs. Um, and, um, you know, if they go to the final stage and they win the Grand Prix, they get a free video made by Dave who will go down there and just, you know, do that video for free and they can use it <laughs> for future promotion in the way they wish. Um, they also get it to be in the book. They get to be on the website. And we will also send press releases to a number of media overseas and in Japan um, asking them to cover these destinations. Um, so there will be a lot of a lot of yeah benefits um, for these areas, and we hope people will um, so, yeah enter <laughs> the awards. That's awesome. Yeah, Nakawa-san from Facebook has added uh, she has a friend who works with Paralympics and government corporates to promote diversity, universal design, and travel. I want to talk to him, so please reach out, Yuko-san. <laughs> I would love to promote the great work he's doing as well. Thank you for commenting. Um, we have about five more minutes. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about? Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have more questions. I, have, I, can, I can keep going. But if you have anything, you're like, we didn't talk about that yet. No, you good? Go for no. it. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I love, just to deviate a little bit from destination promotion, mm -hmm. I wanted to show uh, one of the projects that you did Oh, wait, let me bring it up uh, with a hotel. So it was, yeah, a, yeah. it was an old yokan and they renovated and made a modern hotel. Seems yeah. really interesting. Do you want to talk about this one a little bit? Mm -hmm. See you can. I mean, she's, she's done person <laughs> these and all everything. So she knows <laughs> more by her. So this is a hotel based in Maebashi in Gumma prefecture. Um, and it used to be a very, uh, I think, over 300 years of Yokan, and they completely renovated it, um, and they made a hotel. Um, so we were uh, involved with the translation um, from from Japanese to English. We we helped them uh, make, launch their English website and do press releases in English. 
um, to get extra exposure to the media. Um, it's it's just a wonderful place that you know it's Mayabashi is not really a famous place, but this hotel is you know it it's art inspired. It it has all these like brilliant artists. Uh, each one has a different has um, um, inspired a different room inside the hotel, and there's a lot of green uh spaces and it's just a wonderful place to be so um if anyone is considering going to guma please <laughs> please stop by it's I mean, um, if, if you are in tokyo mm -hmm. i think it, it takes like about an hour or so mm -hmm. to get to guma maibashi mm -hmm. um so you definitely should go this place is uh, renovated by mm -hmm. Uh, famous architecture uh, architects and mm -hmm. and a designer interior designer so uh you will enjoy your stay definitely exactly and they also have a uh, blue bottle coming in it's the first first um, store outside of uh, the big cities um they have a wonderful party city as well um it's just it's just you know they're trying to help the city get uh, a different look and and they're doing a fantastic job um yeah, so it's. I think it's a new landmark in Maibashi. And I just want to point out how beautiful the web design and all the photos and video are that you've done. Um, I'm I'm sorry to say that a lot of websites in Japan are still not quite there in terms of beauty, especially travel sites. You mm. know, when you're trying to get someone to your hotel, you don't want just a bunch of neon text you really need the photos, you need the video. It's so powerful. And we know this is gonna be more powerful going ahead, especially as everybody's on a small screen. So what you're showing here from the phones mm -hmm. as the way to show what you've done for them, that's really great. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if I can just jump in at actually talking about the way that uh, companies kind of, or yeah, tourism companies or whatever kind of promote their areas via their websites and their digital marketing. Like this is something that I'm constantly, constantly talking about that, you know, there needs to be one, like a more universal communication style. There doesn't need to be for Japanese and for English other, or sorry, for Japanese and foreigners. Like people consume visual information the same way. The only difference is written language. And, you know, Japan has this like maximalist approach to <laughs> how they do things and they just they want to make sure that there's so much in there and it's so easy to get lost in um, when you have all of that information and in the future like hopefully through you know back through the awards and and through how we want to communicate through our uh, web media platform and things like that um, is to kind of simplify the communication style so that you know you can get a, a good overall view of, of the place and you know that's even one of the components in terms of analyzing if a place is um, effective in their marketing is through their uh, web content and if it's easy to understand the information that's being presented and things like that and, and how present they are in their uh, and how sorry proactive they are in their uh, marketing uh, their web, web marketing websites and things like that and I think I, that's something important. definitely and it doesn't it relate to transparency too and this is a problem in tourism and travel mm. in Japan and around the world um, you want pictures that are beautiful but which are real mm. you don't want someone going there <laughs> like whenever I see the pictures of Kyoto temples empty 
I'm like, come on. Even, yeah. even in coronavirus time, it's never empty. Unless someone gets in before it opens, you're not going to see that, right? So <laughs> let's, let's make it beautiful. Let's make it more transparent and honest about mm -hmm. what it looks like, really. Mm -hmm. So when you go there, you know what to expect, and you're not completely devastated right. that it doesn't look like that, right? And that's that's extremely important because you know a lot of clients that we've worked with um, on different projects, you know, they feel like obviously they want to present their um, destination, to, you know, in in the best way they want. But this best way is often depends on how they perceive the things. So, for example, they have official photos and say and they say this is the best way. But as you say, they don't necessarily represent the way the, the actual place is. But they feel like they want to have full control, so they won't let us, you know, go and take photos that are kind of different, but represent the whole, the actual thing. So this is something that we constantly need to, you know, keep reminding and keep persuading. And some people get it, um, but some don't. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of work still. <laughs> well, it looks like we have a request for work right now. Are you guys too busy with the book and awards? Or do you have time to do commission work? We do have time to do commission work. We do have time to do commission work. We just don't need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Yuko-san, please uh, get in touch through their website. I'll put a link below or through HAPS if you click on their names. Oh, she's on Facebook. I'll put the links below on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much. That's an awesome result from the end of the interview. Thank you. I love thank that. You. Yeah, <laughs> business. Um, but, but just a, a little point on that. Uh, it's so true that you want it to look beautiful and perfect, but I find more appeal in imperfection. Mm. I, if they show the cracks in the building, that's not dangerous, or they show the wires overhead. If you're a good photographer, you can make that look cool. Yeah. You know, if it's an old retro building or kind of a crumbling building next door, that's still interesting. You know, yeah. like you, you can make it look appealing and real at the same time. I mean, people want reality and they want the real experience. So there's no point in misleading people through that. Like, you know, that is, most people do find that stuff interesting, but, you know, clients just are too worried about how they'll be perceived sometimes. And, you know, we're constantly just reassuring them, you know, like, just mm -hmm. let us handle it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, being being real is really important, especially now, you know, people just want it. They, they, they collect all sorts of information. And eventually, if they go to the place and see that it's not as they expected it, they will never go back because that's already a bad experience. Um, so it's really, really important to to present the, the destination as it is and find a beauty in it. Um, so that's what we're trying to Absolutely. you know make people understand <laughs> we we had a, a great photographer alfie goodrich on the mm -hmm. on the series and he said if you can find beauty in the normal in the everyday in your walk around your neighborhood you will never be bored and you will be happy in your life and that's mm -hmm. so true right i think if, if you can find beauty from your everyday you're going to be a happier person and we definitely want that for travel we want people who appreciate the normal and the not amazing disneyland experience we right. want them to appreciate what people normally live like or you know normal scenes exactly 
Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much. That is our hour. If anybody wants to get in touch with Shiitake Creative, please do. Uh, you guys are on Facebook. You're on Instagram. You have a wonderful website, which I'll link below. Um, also, Japan Destiny. Wait, wait. I, on the crowdfunding, it's on Crowdfire. Is it? Crowdfire. So we're going to be campaign on Kickstarter shortly. So okay. um, it's going to be for the international audience. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, there was one more. The Instagram is not Shitake Creative. What's the name on the Instagram? It's called Remarkable Japanese Places, which is also the name of the book. Yes. Exactly. Got you. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and for all the great work that you're doing. For a better travel industry in Japan going forward and better、uh, assets and appeal and products and services for international visitors. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Talking. Yeah, it's been awesome. Understanding us so well.、Uh, we, are, we are on the same level. I feel, like, I feel like part of your team. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining. Have a great day. Take care. See you、Thank、next you. time. Thank you. Bye.